Welcome to another episode of Kiss My Mic. This is part of our amazing Asian Women podcast series. And today, I am joined by Vivi Lin. Vivi is the first Asian American woman appointed as president of a professional football team, the San Diego Strike Force. And she also volunteers as director of corporate partnerships and co-chair of programming for the Asian American Journalist Association Sports Task Force, supporting digital transformation training and cognitive diversity programs within sports media organizations. Welcome, Vivi, and congratulations on your most recent appointment. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to, first of all, you know, be talking to you and meeting you. So it's an honor to really speak to you today. So maybe if you're okay, since, you know, your appointment is hat off the presses, right? So maybe let's start with that and let me ask you, what does this appointment mean to you being named the first Asian American president of a professional football team? So yeah, share your thoughts in terms of what that, that means to you personally. Well, it's been really interesting because it wasn't like I woke up one day and said, hey, mom, I am going to one day be the president of a professional sports team at all. It wasn't something that I shot for. I'm here because by the grace of God, in some way, I've been given the gifts and the talents and I'm qualified to run a business. And I love running business, but it's a real blessing for me. Then I get to run a sports business because I love sports. This for me is it puts together all the things that I absolutely love about um, how we can affect our community. So as you can see, I have this kind of theme that I share with my athletes, which is serving soup. It's kind of like when you don't feel good, it doesn't matter what mm -hmm. culture you're from, your mom or grandma will make you soup. You can feel better. And wherever I go in our community, whether it's a business that I run, a sports that the sports team that we are part of, whether we're leaders in our community in any way, I ask the question, are we serving soup in a way that we give of ourselves and not look after for just me? Are we able to own the part that we have? Because we can't do everything. We have to work as part of a team. And the other is, are we doing things so that we unify our community? And instead of escalating division or conflict, are we de-escalating it and choosing to say, how do we learn from this so that I can meet my needs and your needs together and serve ultimately a bigger purpose? So at the end of the day, for me, this appointment is an opportunity to utilize sports, which is so influential an opportunity to affect kids and community and business and leaders. And, you know, it's everyone. It's a it's an equal playing field in pun intended, where we all <laughs> unite on sports. So yeah, it's a blessing. And it's an opportunity I see to be able to continue those values that I really love to share through the work that I do. Absolutely. That's amazing. And you have already covered so many different themes that I wanted to talk to you about. You talked about the business perspective and we'll talk about your background as well. I'm going to start with the sports component. So you said you're passionate about sports. When did it start for you and what was that like? 
you know, how did it start? Well, it's interesting because I grew up very similar to a lot of, I guess, the stereotype, right? The concept of how I played violin, I dabbled mm-hmm. in the piano, um, I played tennis, I was a cross-country athlete, I was a track athlete, oh. so a lot of it just individual sports. Yeah. Um, I did surfing and I was a skier and a snowboarder. So I did a lot of sports in life, but most of my sports were individual sports. How I got to the team sports side, and I have to give my friends in high school the credit. Uh, I have some great friends who are still part of my life. I met when I started high school in Palo Alto, California. And, uh, all but one of my guy friends played on the football team. So, you know, shout out yes. to Tim and to Matt and to <laughs> Chris. And, you know, these guys, they played on the football team. And I'm like, well, they're my friends. I'm going to go support them. I'd never mm-hmm. been exposed to team sports. My parents immigrated here. So they didn't have team sports, especially American sports in those days. So for me, it was my friends who introduced me to this concept of the social environment behind mm-hmm. football and soccer and basketball. Mm-hmm. It was the way we connected and we shared how they did. And I loved cheering them on and being mm-hmm. there for them. That is what was, that was my first entry into professional sports. Mm-hmm. Came to understand from the high school level, how mm-hmm. much it actually draws us together as a community. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It doesn't matter yeah. how well you did in school. It didn't matter <laughs> all the differences that we see on the outside. What mattered is that we were all coming together to cheer our school and the student yeah. and the student athletes on. Absolutely. And and that's really important because, you know, that's one way for us to really unify with each other in your right, regardless of many different beliefs, you know, political affiliations or religion or many different things. This is one way where we actually really can connect with others, whether they're from the same team or not, right? You know, um, you know, it's just amazing the the, the power of, of sports. So maybe um, Vivi, just to piggy off of that as well, and just to continue the discussion around your journey. So you talked about being exposed to individual sports, uh, just growing up. You have so many different backgrounds. That's just so amazing. Uh, you're like a well-rounded rock star, eventually trying team sports. But then how did that shift into the professional world? I started off in leaving high school. I knew I, what I wanted to do for a living was tell stories. I started mm-hmm. telling stories even when I was very young. When I was 10 or 11 years old, I was reading these stories called The Value Tales. And The Value Tales mm-hmm. are about featured different biographies. Uh, yep. Different people like Ben Franklin, um, which was the value of savings, Helen Keller, which is the value of determination, um, Jackie Robinson, which is the value of courage. My mom gave me this set of books when I was young, about 10 or 11 years old. And I fell in love with one of the stories, which is the the value of understanding. By, and it was the story of Margaret Mead, who was curious mm-hmm. about the Samoan mm-hmm. people. I ha- I started at that age. I actually made my own film on the story of Margaret Mead. And when I went into, uh, so I knew going into college, I wanted to study broadcast television news. I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a storyteller. And that is ultimately who I am today. How I went from news, though, as a broadcaster, which I started off in San Francisco and went over to Hawaii, I switched over to sports because 
I ended up really connecting, first of all, to the sports guys. And one of the guys that I worked with happened to be Neil Everett, who is the anchor for SportsCenter today on ESPN. (laughs) And at the same time, I was given some obstacles and challenges. I was told I wasn't going to climb anywhere as a news person on the news (laughs) side of our television network. So I thought, okay, well, nobody wants to train me. Nobody wants to teach me. Uh, how am I going to keep going further as somebody in news if I want to con- continue doing this? This was my first obstacle to look at. Well, I could stop here and completely give up. Or I could pivot, choose to innovate my mm-hmm. next step. So I walked into the sports cave and I said, hey, guys, um, show me what to do. I'd love to learn. I'll help you. I'll clean your gear. I'll do whatever. But I love to learn how to produce a sport, an entire show and help me learn how to produce a sports show. So I learned actually from the sports guys and I loved the stories that were coming out of it. It wasn't just reporting stats and scores, but I fell in love with the story side. So eventually that led me to work as a freelancer with ESPN. I worked with the U.S. US Surfing Federation and started telling the stories of Kelly, you know, Kelly Slater, Rob Machado, who are surfers today. But those stories kind of drew me in. And that's yeah. why I stayed in sports and how I became a storyteller for sports. Yeah, that's an amazing journey, Vivi. It's just so inspiring. And even when you talked about the value and power of storytelling and, you know, the value tales, examples that you said. So let me ask you a, a question, though. So 30 years from now, people are reading about you. You know, the, the first Asian-American woman appointed as president of a professional football team. So right. what would be the value of Vivi Lin that people will be reading about? That's a good question. Do I have to pick just one? We can pick as many as you want, but what will be the the themes of that? I think the foundation for <laughs> everything that I strive to do. Now, I don't do this perfectly, so it's not <laughs> like I'm really good at doing this. But I would say, no matter what you choose to do in life, whatever <laughs> obstacles you're given, whatever challenges you're given... My suggestion is that you would be curious. Just be curious. So if somebody tells you you're not getting that promotion, instead of emotionally going down a rabbit hole of being angry, being frustrated or resentful, or even self-deprecating, ask the questions, I wonder why I didn't get it this time. I wonder what, why they chose someone else. And I wonder what I can do to improve myself or improve the situation. Now, I want to qualify this. It's not saying that you don't feel emotion. You absolutely will. We all feel anger, disappointment, hurt, rejection. Mm -hmm. All of those come with emotions. Mm -hmm. And being able to acknowledge that, okay, I have a right to feel this right now. But we have to see it as a pass-through, not as a destination. See it as a pass-through and begin asking the questions, why would they not have promoted me when I've worked so hard, I'm qualified, and I can, I can do the job and I've proven myself? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the answer is, well, they have a nephew who really needed a job, and they have an obligation to hire the family member. Well, that's no reflection mm-hmm. on me. So, okay, that's a decision that they had to make. So how do I improve my situation? 
I could either go talk to my boss and say, you know, it really was hurtful. Mm -hmm. I understand you had to hire family, but is there any other way that I can advance in this company? And if the answer is no, I can't do anything about it, then how do I improve my own situation? Well, I can go to another company. I can choose to pivot my situation and find something else. So when I can't do something that way, get curious, ask questions so that I can find another way. So I guess the value is be curious. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I mean, I was having goosebumps, you know, just listening to you because it's so true. It's so inspiring because, you know, it's so relatable. Regardless of where you are, you know, there it's it's always possible for people to experience setbacks and obstacles, whether you're in the corporate world, whether you're in creatives, things that didn't work out, you didn't get a promotion, you know, things didn't go as successfully as you envisioned it to be. And, you know, the, the message that you have in terms of being curious and also the, the emotion side, you know, I think that's important as well to acknowledge that it's okay to feel that way. And then the last thing that you said that really I, I love so much was the word pivot. Um, so maybe, you know, just a fun question, because pivot is one of my favorite words. Um, there's so many other you know, words as well that I love. But what are some of your favorite kind of words of inspiration? It's the word vicarious. I love it. I love the word vicarious because you can learn vicariously. Correct, yeah. That is such a valuable, if you can learn from someone else's journey, experiences, Mm -hmm. knowledge, failures, successes, Mm -hmm. you can choose to emulate the behavior that you do want and you can let go of the behaviors that you don't want. Yeah. Learning vicariously is how we learn through stories. Yeah. So that's there's so much depth too in that word. You know, it's not just a simple word. There's just so much, you know, complexity in it and completeness as well. Like, you know, covering the different bases. So that's thank thank you for that. Thank you for uh, you know engaging with that question. I just I just got curious all of a sudden. So let me go back to um, our conversation about your your career. Um, so you worked. Um, in broadcasting and t- t- talk to us about how the San Diego strike force opportunity came about. So when did you start and what was it like for you? Well, let's just say I started the year before COVID. So that'll tell you what the last year was about for me. Um, all yep. sports shut down globally. I have had a great series of mentors and support. When I came mm-hmm. to San Diego, I actually went straight into to production. Yep. I owned a production house here where we did content for mobile devices. So we were one of the first companies to create original content Verizon Vcast way yep. back when. Uh, that'll kind of age me a bit. But when Verizon Vcast <laughs> was, was experimenting with original content, we were one of the first shows that they picked up. And From there, I ended up going into marketing because everything Mm -hmm. within mobile, it was all about short format storytelling. And that's what I love to do. That's what broadcast television news is. That's what sports is on ESPN. It's all short format storytelling that Mm -hmm. offers information and entertains you. Um, In my case, I really love to empower people and inspire them. So from there, 
I met some amazing people in our community who are in the professional industry. And one of my most influential people that I've met, his name is Don Welke. He was in Major League Baseball for over 53, for about 52, 53 years. Don and I met at a conference where he was speaking and we became fast friends. It was an opportunity where he opened up Major League Baseball to me, essentially. And Mm -hmm. I ended up talking to him and working with him on different baseball and also sports-related projects. He was the VP of Scouting Operations for the San Diego Padres. I also met A.J. Preller, who was his protege at the time. And I was very lucky for Don, where he and A.J. in some ways shared their perspectives and their business development and their insight into baseball. And I was able to glean from that. So as if you follow baseball at all right now, the Padres are super hot. uh, And I was able to see how did they develop what they call the farm system. Farm system in Major League Baseball is very important because it's about mm-hmm. developing young athletes at a very young age. And yep. Fernando Tatis was one of our one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And from there, you cultivate this loyalty with the brand and the identity mm-hmm. and wanting to have them stay because they're in the minor leagues for so long that at yeah. some point they have the option to renegotiate a major league contract with somebody else. So you can spend all these years developing an athlete. And in the first three years that they're playing in the majors, they end up with another team. Well, that's a bummer because you invested all this time and energy and money into this young athlete. And then they go play for someone else. So Don and AJ are well known specifically for building that farm team. And uh, I was able to see that process, learn from it. And that is exactly how I'm developing the strike force. This is about the community that we build from internally. And for me, it's also externally build a community from within our team and offer those values, those skills, those benefits. And we build it into our community as a whole. Let me ask you about the community aspect. So how important is that to you in terms of building community and really ensuring that the work that you do has impact? the community uh it's everything like community is everything for any kind of sports team we are a business that's community minded we may not mm-hmm. be nonprofit, but we mm-hmm. are a community business mm-hmm. we belong to the community so i look at it this way strike force might be our name but let's just think of it as strike force is the guy and san diego is the girl If you want San Diego to be part of who you are, you got to court her and you've got to make her feel like there's value in who you are, right? Dating this community, being able to court this community, nurture the relationship has to be number one. We can't assume just because we're here, we belong to San Diego and we should be part of it. We're not entitled. It's a matter of making sure that we take care of our community. We have to serve our community first. How do we do it? We do it through football. We Mm -hmm. entertain, we empower, we inspire, we elevate our community. When we do those things and we encourage our community, we bring them together and that's how we unify them. So if it's or corporate or if it's, you know, political, if it's leadership, whatever it is, we need to come together with our community and unify them. And the bigger purpose ultimately is so that this community can be better. 
How do I yeah. bring more resources in to the communities that need us? How do mm-hmm. I make sure that those who are who need something are are present for those who have something to give? Can we be that resource? And yes, that's what we're driving. So when you ask me how important is community, there is no football team without without community. How important they are to us? Absolutely. No, that's beautiful. And you know, I I just wish I I wish that people would definitely see the value in that kind of mindset of really focusing on community and building a community. And the work that you do is amazing. So let me ask you, as president, you have big responsibilities to ensure that you are building the community, but also to achieve the goals of your team and success. So I guess the first question is, what does success mean to you, either from a personal standpoint or from a standpoint of the president wearing the hat of really you know, taking that leadership role, taking San Diego Strike Force to the next level and also building the community. We're going to win a championship in 2022. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm very competitive. I'm so yes, we are going to win the championship with the IFL. That's first and foremost. Um, so that's an easy success, you know, what we call a key performance indicator, right? A KPI. The next is, you know, have I made have I made a difference with our, have I actually made an impact in serving our community coming out of COVID in for 2022 is going to be so important because there have been so many businesses and youth organizations and community organizations and service-based organizations, these nonprofits who couldn't raise money because they couldn't do their events, didn't have the resources to do them. So if I can help our community get back up on its feet that resource for them and they're contacting me to help them by all means yes that means that i'm i'm getting successful ongoing journey though there is no end destination the success of it is that i continue to grow with that message and that i'm empowering our community through an entertaining sports experience they if it's a fit for them i'm down personally i am very grateful for the experiences that i've been given all the negative and the positive. If on a personal level, I am able to show that it's truly my faith that gets me through, this mm-hmm. isn't about what I've accomplished. I've been given these gifts and talents and opportunities basically to serve a bigger purpose. And okay. that is to ultimately leave a legacy behind me because I'm not here permanently. So for me, this is really... It's really, you know, this is God's guidance of me so that yeah. I can pass that on to others. And that's, that's really, that's really yeah. where it is for me. That is so beautiful, Vivi. It's a, such a beautiful answer, you know, both from a professional side and also on, on the personal side in terms of what success means to you. First of all, when you talk about your vision for 2022, winning the championship, you have such a very energetic presence about you that I'm not even from San Diego and I'm not even 100% following football, but I am like, I'm with you. Yes, you're a strike force fan. Balls away. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's something that I love about the sports, just the energy of people and the confidence and the belief in the vision that each team is really the best, right? You know, like that's good to really have that kind of mindset to have that vision and really do everything you can to get there, like the training and all that stuff. 
right? So you have me already with your energy. That's so wonderful. So you also talked about different aspects of leadership, right? The servitude aspect earlier, having a vision, you know, the ability to make an impact to community. So I guess along with all those things, I guess my question is, what are some of the traits that you think make a great leader? That's a great question. (laughs) Mike, you're asking some really good (laughs) questions. So I, I often tell my team this and I have to remind them what I tell my my team is I might be in the position to lead you and our front office, but I want you to see me as a facilitator. Today with our digital transformation culture, the fact that I can take college classes online, I can take certification classes online, education, learning is as cheap as free and can go as high as $100,000 at some of our top Ivy League schools, right? But if I really want to learn, I'll find a way. I can make it happen. So digital transformation in our culture today has leveled out the playing field. There is no way I can walk into any front office and say, I know it all. A huge shift in professional sports. It is no longer the GM who knows everything, who scouts everything, who can pick all the right players. General managers today really need to think about who they are and the role that they play in professional sports because it's not the same. There are younger people who are smarter, faster, and know more than we do. So leadership for me is really about facilitating the talents, the gifts, the strengths, the expertise, and the value that our team actually brings. It's not about, there's no quarterback that's going to win a game on his own. He has to find the best players to receive the plays, to strategically develop a plan that fits their playing style. Because even his playing style has to adjust according to who's got what gifts and talents. That's the same way I see our front office. That's the way I see leadership. I might have to make some tough calls, which all leaders must be prepared to do. But at the end of the day, our job is to facilitate the best out of our team. It's to get to know them. It's asking them what matters to you. It's finding out how they, what they need to be able to do their very best and making sure they get it. And that's what a true leader does. I believe does. It might be minority, but I will tell you that that's why I'm here because I'm not looking to tell people what to do. I'm here because I can identify the best in who they are and learn how to facilitate their best and bring them to the team. That's a great perspective. Really thinking of leadership as facilitating and, and really orchestrating kind of the different entities so along with that, too, maybe just a question. So obviously, it's a very strong team-based environment. How do you ensure that everyone's on the same page when it comes to teamwork? Look, when you deal with people, everyone has a vision that can mm. be going in opposite directions. How does a basketball team or a football team know what play they're going to be executing next. It's through communication. It's studying the plays, the strategies. It's sharing the vision. 
Now, if part of your team is sort of like, well, we don't really need to win this game. No big deal. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how hard your offense works. You're not going to win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing, your defense and your offense have to work together yep. on the same vision. That applies to every team in life, whether it's your family team, couple team, or a business team, a community team. We have to work towards the same vision. So we use a process called Design Think. Design Think is a way for everyone to share their vision, their ideas. Our favorite part is ideation because do a time limit and we go, go, throw out ideas. Everyone just word them out. Let's go for it. The ideation process allows us to get all the creative ideas together. But now they're just a jumble idea, a bunch of ideas. There's no clarity to it, right? So the rest of design think is really being able to say, ultimately, what is our vision statement? For the San Diego Strike Force, it's about uniting and inspiring our community with an exciting sports uh, entertainment experience. That's the Strike Force. And our values are on leadership. Our values are on communication, on humility, respect, on learning, serving that bigger purpose. So we take all these ideas and we go, okay, team. What are the priorities? What do we need to put together so that we know it's going to follow the same through line of our vision statement and our values, and we're going to work towards the same projects right now? That design thing process allows us to understand the vision. It helps us communicate it, and it helps us be able to create the processes so we know who's got what role, we know who the key players are, and we know how we're going to execute and create the programs. So that's how we get on the same page. So you have to be on the same page. You have to know exactly what you're working toward. You have to have the same goals. You have to have the same values. And we communicate properly so that we know who to tell what and how we're going to come together and go back out and work again together and come back out. So they're lanes, mm-hmm. but they're not silos. So we've heard about Vivi the president the energetic leader who has a vision of winning the 2022 championship, uh, baby. Championship. And there's also the community leader who really focuses on uplifting the community. And you've talked a little bit about this already, but I wanted to hear any additional thoughts that you may have. What about Vivi, the, the business person? So you said that in your role, there's also the business component. What does that look like? You wearing the business hat. What does that mean? That means that I can create a team of people that I trust to be able to run football and I'm going to win. I'm going to have great coaches who exude and resonate those values. And I can focus on what do I need to do to be able to create a sustainable business? So what comes in isn't more than what goes out. So I need to make sure that I'm able to sustain in order to be a viable business here in San Diego, that's going to continue to support it. I do need to make money. Nobody can sustain a business that is consistently putting stuff out and we can't take anything in. Think about us as human beings, right? If I don't eat, I will pass out and I'll be useless. (laughs) If I eat only sugar donuts, I will be large, fat and not able to move and I'll be unhealthy and I won't be able to help anyone. That means as a business, I need to take in what is healthy. I need to take in what is good and I can be able to turn that around and offer something healthy to the community. 
That is how I see business. Business for me is uh, having to make those tough decisions because you have to look at the overall health of the organization, not just an individual. And that's tough. I have a heart for people. I love to teach, but there are times in an organization you can't teach. You've got to actually let them go learn on their own before they come back. It doesn't mean that I don't like the person or that I have any personal issues. What it means is in this situation, it's not a good fit for us or a good fit for them, right? If we keep someone where it's not a good fit, we're actually hurting them. Not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting them. So sometimes the best gift you can give to the people in your business world is identifying really, are we healthy for each other? And making those tough decisions to say sometimes it's not healthy. We need to let you go so you can figure that out. Or we need to let this partnership change or move on. And it's okay. That's life. So that's kind of how I run business. I'm not sure if I asked, answered your question right in that you way. Did. Okay. Yeah, you absolutely did because it's the, the ability to make the tough decisions. And really, that's the biggest part, right, on the business side. And there's a lot of comments about fit as well. You've actually given an example of what that actually means in terms of making those tough decisions. You mentioned a few other mentors earlier, including Don from the Major League Baseball. So are there other role models in terms of leaders that you can think of as well? Absolutely. One of my, uh, when I was 27 years old and I was really breaking into the sports industry, a uh, director of programming for ESPN, his name is Bob Yalen. He gave me a chance. He took a chance on me. And Bob has been a mentor all my life. Wherever I go professionally, he has been my encourager. He's been my support. Um, He's been in some ways a father figure. Today, he is a CEO of MTK Global. So I continue to grow and learn. He has always uh, been very supportive. And he's a great example. Why I look at sustaining athletes on and off the field is really because Bob has inspired me in that way. He does the same thing with his athletes. There is Laura Price, the COO of the Philadelphia 76ers. She's definitely a strong executive woman in the masthead of an amazing NBA team, right? Talk about, I mean, there's no, no comparison to where I'm at. She is she is a great mentor. She is an advocate for me. And that's something that she taught me is find and find those people you can trust and they will advocate for you. And this woman does it selflessly and it inspires me to do the same. So paying that forward is important. You know, of course, there's Don Welke and my mom can't even say <laughs> this part without having there isn't anyone I know who is more selfless than my mom. She's a woman who came from very little, actually worked herself without even having the true qualifications. She worked herself into the director of emergency services for a major hospital chain in the, in the nation uh, and working in emergency services. She is so well-respected. She managed hundreds and hundreds of nurses. And I have to tell you, she's been my number one advocate, my supporter, mm-hmm. my mentor, my role model. Um, you know, and so not everybody who's my role model is in sports, but there are a few others. And if you mm-hmm. can find yourself three or four people in your lifetime 
who are advocates for you, like Lara and Bob are, like Don, unfortunately, mm-hmm. passed a few year, years ago. If you can find advocates like that for you, you're yeah. immensely blessed. And though they, they're the ones who teach you vicariously. They're the ones who encourage you when things are down. Because you can't yeah. do life alone. And I'm very grateful for my mentors. That is so beautiful. The takeaway, find your advocates. And you actually gave a pretty good example with Laura. And I do have a statistics to share as well. So this is, I do want to hear your thoughts on this. So according to a 2021 report from Catalyst, the percentage of women CEOs in S&P 500 companies is only 6%. So that's just 30 women CEOs, which as we both know, is so disappointingly low. Why do you think that is the case in that world and even in the sports world as well? And what can we do to change that? I can't even understand or fathom this idea that you would look at how I made. I had no, listen, I didn't make a custom order for this. It came out this way. <laughs> there was no customization. I couldn't play this a digital order. No Amazon. Right. Um, but it's... It is what I'm dealt with, and I use it to my advantage. My yeah. understanding is that women-owned and women-led businesses tend to run 20% higher in profits and revenue than companies that don't have women uh, as leaders and executives in the in the C-suite. Look, business, no matter what it is, in sports especially, all based on relationships. Learning to be able to balance nurturing relationships and being able to cultivate those with being able to make tough decisions is really something that men and women can teach each other. We haven't done that very well. We do women and men, and that is it. Men could be much more powerful if they learn to really address and acknowledge the vulnerability and those relationships and those feelings and have those discussions because that is what it is. That's what makes us human. You don't hear dogs talk about how they feel. You don't hear birds chirp about their irritations, right? Well, maybe you do, but they probably don't go in depth psychologically. Humans have the ability to have that dialogue and process through that higher level of intelligence, emotional intelligence. Women have a strong affinity to relationships and communication. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we're made equal. We're not. But mm-hmm. what we are made are with different strengths that we can use and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me why are women not more in masthead of different companies and in that executive suite, I think it's acknowledging the fact that business is relationships more than they are just transactions. You will not be sustainable. But if you are relationship-based, when your transactions fall, you can build that relationship back up so that you can bring your transactions back up. So maybe it's just that businesses haven't focused enough on those relationships. And it starts from internal and it goes to the customer. If you aren't who you are, if you can't live those values of relationships, you can't share that with the community. Beautiful. Yes, definitely focused on the relationship. And actually, the follow-up question that I have in mind, I believe you've answered it as well in terms of what else can men do? From from your perspective, you talk about tapping into the vulnerability, being able to listen to that emotion and have an understanding. Are there other things that 
maybe men are not seeing that we should be looking into as well so that we can support you better. We can support our female colleagues as well. This is something that's really important to me. No matter who the leader is, if we focus on checking that racial and ethnic box off, we're not actually accomplishing what we truly want to accomplish. What makes a team successful? goes along with this digital transformation culture. The fact that we all think differently and we bring different ideas. Digital Mm -hmm. transformation through our design think process is Mm -hmm. really about creating what I call cognitive diversity. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask you this. Ever have a Slurpee or an Icy? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite Mm -hmm. flavor? Um, The blue one. Blue raspberry. (laughs) Raspberry. Yes. There you go. Blue raspberry. Okay. Yep. So the blue raspberry is your favorite. And then um, there are people who love the cherry, which is the red one, right? And then you have Coca-Cola, which is the color of Coke brown. Um, and then you have sometimes a pina colada, which has that kind of yellow mm-hmm. banana-y color, right? So And coconut. So if you look at all these flavors, uh, and I want a blue raspberry, I'm not getting a blue raspberry in Coke color, right? The yeah. aesthetic of that just doesn't fit. It has the the aesthetic of being able to get a blue raspberry is partially so cool that I got a blue raspberry, right? Yeah. Not a blue raspberry, that's green. Not a blue raspberry, that's a blue raspberry, that's blue raspberry. So we're packaged differently in the way that we look. And with it comes the culture, the history, the fact that I have a Chinese background, the fact that my I have an understanding of what eating Chinese food might be or how what it takes to make it. All of those little details that we may not realize play into how I think cognitively. If you now jump to my icy, you know, analogy, if I wanted to create a new flavor like a cherry Coke. I have to take the cherry that is red and I have to mix it with the Coke, which is brown. And those two colors come together. If I want to do a blue raspberry with a hint of pina colada, right? Now you've got the white mixing with the blue. This is what creates new. That's innovation. Now, it didn't come packaged that way. I mixed it when I was at the fountain. I innovated that by putting different colors and flavors together. That is what I want to encourage our business leaders to do. Men and women, look for cognitive diversity. And in that, you will find that we are all packaged differently. And now we can get beyond the like, just hire the minority and check that box Mm -hmm. off. Look, that doesn't do me any favors and it's not going to do the community any favors and it's not going to do the business any favor. Don't check the box off. Check off what's really important. Take the quality, take the experience, take the merit, and look for what you really want, which is ultimately cognitive diversity so that we can innovate. That's the only way we're going to do it. Wow, that is such an amazing analogy. I think I'm putting in my notes to go get an icy after <laughs> our conversation. And Does 7-Eleven hear this because they can sponsor me? <laughs> right. So it'll be attributed to Vivi. And also, just a message around innovation. And it goes back to your earlier comment, too, about being curious. And the other beautiful thing about what you said is also acknowledging the the current state of kind of you know, what our current attributes are. Blue raspberry is root raspberry because of this attributes, because of this reason. It's the acknowledgement of that as well. 
So that's so beautiful. Yeah. And also the pina colada. Another takeaway for the weekend. So Vivi, one final question to go back to our theme. Amazing Asian women. First of all, congratulations to, to you for the appointment and for the championship in 2022. So I guess the other question to end the discussion is looking back to your younger self, what advice would you tell her? Or if there's younger you know, girls out there as well who might be thinking about certain things, the obstacles that you talked about earlier, not feeling good about what they can do and stuff like that, what will be your advice to them who are listening? I was very different growing up. I was not, my parents didn't prepare me to be an executive and in the front office of professional sports. I was being trained to be able to be a doctor or a lawyer or somebody uh, who loved numbers. There's nothing wrong with those careers, but I was born to be a storyteller and I couldn't deny that. That was something that was so true to my soul ever since I was a young, young girl. So what I would say is be true to who you really are, but do it in a way that's sensitive and kind to the community. We have this society where it's like, well, this is who I am and that's the way you're going to take it and take it or leave it. And if not, I'll forget it. That's there's no power really in that. That's just indignance. That's just resistance. And that goes back to my message of unity. So how do we take who we are uniquely, how we're made uniquely, and how we're fashioned uniquely to unite our community? So with these young ladies, I will say this. Don't worry about being a young lady. Just be concerned about what you're gifted to do. Explore that. Take some risks. Build yourself out. Know who you are and know that you're built for a purpose. I don't care what anybody else tells you. I don't care what social media says. I don't care what stereotypes say. You are created for a bigger purpose. And just because you didn't find it yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means that you're on a journey to explore that and find it. And when you do, commit to it. Don't worry about the challenges because they will come. Don't worry about the obstacles because they will come. Don't worry about the people who tell you no because they will come. And don't worry about the people who will reject you because that will happen. What I will say is learn how to manage them. Learn how to learn through those conflicts. Create what I call productive conflicts. And just be true to who you are. Because I can work every day doing this job and I love it. I'm passionate about it. And no matter how many failures have I have I had, which are a lot, I will succeed because I will never quit. It's what I love to do. I love your answer. And I love the fact that you always acknowledge that we're not perfect. Sometimes we fail and we can always learn. But that's just an amazing way, a great way to end our conversation with that message about being true to who we are. We can never go wrong with that. And so I hope that our listeners enjoy the conversation the way that I did just learning from you congratulations one again Vivi and I can't wait to hear about more from you as well in the future thank you so much Vivi such a pleasure to have you on thank you Um, for having me thank you yeah absolutely